This is Alone With Our Principles, Episode 1. The question isn't, what are we going to do? It's, what aren't we going to do? Alone With Our Principles is sponsored by Number 2 Pencils, because when it comes to taking tests, Number 2 is Number 1. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the debut episode of the Alone with Our Principles podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. And we are really excited to get this started. Each episode, we're going to talk about various topics related to education. Probably go off on all sorts of tangents. Probably. We definitely want to keep it fun and lighthearted in addition to informative. As we go along, we'll be talking with other school administrators, teachers, district officials, and other leaders in the community to get their perspective on education and on leadership in general. So, Eric, why don't you start? Uh, Just tell us a little bit about how you got into this fun profession of ours. Sure. So, uh, let's see. I have about 18 years in education. First 10 years were uh, a teacher. Um, at Eucalyptus Elementary, and then for the last, uh, let's see, that would make 10 plus 8, yeah, 8 years. You promised me there would be no math. <laughs> exactly, I know. I can <laughs> take off my shoes so I can use my toes. Um, but uh, yeah, last 8 years in administration, uh, I've been at, uh, let's see, Hollyvale Elementary, Mission Crest Elementary, and for the last 4 plus years, I've been the proud principal at Lime Street Elementary School. Dan, I started... Um uh, 1999, I was principal here where I am now at Eucalyptus Elementary as assistant principal, and then I was principal at Carmel uh, for seven years, Cottonwood for nine, and now I'm back here in my first full year as principal at Eucalyptus, where I hired you way back in the day. It is it is very surreal to walk on this campus having taught here for 10 years and, and not been back much. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to walk back uh, onto the campus, and I'm sure it was a little yeah. unique for you coming the more, back. The more things change, the more things stay the same. For sure, so, for sure. Uh, so like we're going to do on every episode, uh, we'll start with what we're going to call the quiz, uh, where, in this case, us, but when we have our guests on here, they'll answer uh, three specific questions to let us get to know them a little bit better outside of the profession. So let's start that with us. So I'll ask you the first question. Uh, what's a significant or funny experience you had when you were a student? Oh, gosh, when I was a student. Um, let's see. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, share something a little personal here, uh, but I have shared this with uh, some of my own students as a teacher and as an administrator. But uh, I'll go ahead and let the world know now that it, I don't know if it was really a, a funny experience, <laughs> but just one that may surprise people is that I was actually suspended from school once. What? Yeah, exactly. What did you do? Can you imagine? Take a guess. Why did I get suspended from um, school? Some smart aleck comment you said to the wrong teacher or the wrong person? It was probably a culmination of that. <laughs> you know, we had a, uh, it was seventh grade year, I had a, a first year math teacher. Oh, I, I will. I will protect her name to, you know, <laughs> to protect the innocent. A first-year math teacher, and uh, you know, I, me and a, a cohort of my friends were probably not the nicest, immature, you know, prepubescent young men. That, uh, <laughs> what grade? I'm sorry. What grade this was this? Was seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. And yeah, um, you know what? We uh, we we just weren't very kind. We we you know we we interrupted a lot. We cracked a lot of jokes, as many uh, you know, twelve-year-old boys might do, and. Uh, she got she had enough one day and sent a whole bunch of us up to the office and so we're sitting there and uh, it was the first time i'd ever really been in trouble in school and so i was completely petrified literally shaking in my shoes 
And, uh, you know, without hesitation, my, uh, our vice principal at the time, she looked at every one of us, I think there was four of us in the room, and said, you're all suspended. That was the extent of my due process. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that doesn't sound like no. we would get suspended. For, we would suspend kids for, well, I guess it would depend what you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we don't need to get into that here. If Probably we... <laughs> not a good idea. Suffice it to say, I learned my lesson. It was the first time and the last time I got suspended from school. Yeah, I've only been to the principal's office once in my career, and it was second grade, but we'll save that story for another episode. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so continuing on with our little quiz here, Chris, uh, yeah. you know, one of the questions we have is, what is the best job that you've ever had outside of education? Uh, I've had several. One of the cool ones, um, I don't know if you know Castle Park in Riverside. I worked there for a Absolutely. while. Absolutely. I've yeah. been to Castle Park yeah, yeah. many times. When, yeah. when, they, when they first opened the rides outside. And they have a little log flume ride. Yeah, yeah. And but, but when I worked there, this would probably have been 83 or 84 um, they that was were before my time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just building the outside park. Okay. Uh, up till then, it was the miniature golf and it was the arcade. Okay. So I got a job there, and uh, it was called, I was the arcade floater. Uh, so <laughs> That's an interesting they, job. Yeah, it was. So basically, my job was if somebody lost their quarter or got stuck, I would go with the keys open and, and unjam the quarters, whatever. And, of course, we could trigger it to play as many video games as, as we wanted. So, of course. So I did that for a little while. But I would say, without question, the best job that I had prior to getting into education was manager of a movie theater uh, for United Artists. That chain I don't think exists anymore, but it was a pretty big movie chain back in the yeah. uh, 70s and 80s. Uh, and I worked my way up from Usher where I was sweeping the popcorn off the floors and you know all that stuff uh, to eventually being the manager. Uh, that was really where I first got into leadership. But oh, wow. it was a theater in Pasadena right on Colorado Boulevard. Uh, it's now a jewelry store, but it was right there in Old Town pa uh, Pasadena. And it was a, a big theater where we would do research screenings. Uh, so like before a movie came out, uh, they would show it to a test audience, and the audience would fill out a questionnaire, and if they oh, didn't okay, like the yeah, ending... I've heard of this. Yeah. Uh, so the producers would take it back. They'd change the ending or whatever. Um, and a lot of times, the the stars of the movie and the directors would actually come to the theater. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I got to meet a lot of celebrities that way. We were doing a screening. Uh, my favorite story is we were doing a screening of When Harry Met Sally. Uh, so this would have been 87 or 88. And... Uh, I was starting the movies in the in the projection room, and I walked back to my office, and there's Billy Crystal. Oh wow! Just yeah, sitting on sitting on a couch in the in the big manager's office, and I, I just walked in. He's just sitting there, and I said, <laughs> "Billy Crystal." He goes, "How are you?" And I tell you, Eric, he's exactly like you hope he would be. I mean, awesome. some some celebrities, you know, you look up to him, then you meet him, and it's not what you had hoped or right, whatever. Right. But I tell you, he was exactly what 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 you think and I knew from hearing interviews that he was a big New York Yankees fan as course, am yes. I uh, so we must have sat there for half an hour t talking about going to Yankee games and how Mickey Mantle was his hero wow. and, and, you know it was it was really neat and he just a heck of a nice guy and then um, Kevin Costner would come in a lot too yeah. because he lived right near the theater so oh, okay. it wouldn't even be for a screening he'd just come in with his wife and I remember the first time I, I saw him there I was in the box office and he's standing in line with his wife, and I just kind of walk out and go, Mr. Costner, you can just come in. We'll, we'll let you come in. He goes, really? So he came in, and we let him in for free. He was pretty okay. grateful. I, and, I, and I said, you know, here, I'm, I'm probably 21, 22 yeah. years old at the time. Um, so uh, I said, you know what? If you want to come in again, just ask for me. My name's Chris. Just come on in, and, and, we'll, and we'll hook you up. Yeah. So I didn't think anything more, more of it. So then about a month later, uh, you know, I'm counting out money in the box office, and the cashier comes up to me and says, Chris, um, Kevin Costner would like to talk to you. <laughs> 
I'm like, all right. And so, so I got to play it off. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? So uh, he says, yeah, we're here a little bit early. Would it be okay if my wife and I just go sit in another theater until the movie we want to see starts rather not be out? I don't know. I get yeah, it. Uh, he goes, what's good? I said, well, you, you any, all of them are pretty good. I wouldn't go into theater one, though, because that movie's been getting terrible reviews. And he looked, it was Field of Dreams. Uh, <laughs> So, so he looked at me, he goes, well played, and, and then he went in. So that, that was, I met a few, a few celebrities in that, but it was, it was a fun job. I, I mean, the hours That's weren't cool. great, obviously, because yeah. we were working late nights and everything, but uh, I did that right up until the time that I got into substitute teaching, and, and here we are. Yeah, so. that's, that's crazy. You know, that, that notion of meeting your favorite celebrities or any celebrity, there's that certain mystique about it. There's certain, you know, some of my most favorite celebrities, whether they're sports celebrities or, you know, movie celebrities, is there's that certain part of it's like, I don't know if I want to meet them. Right. Because what if it doesn't go the way you expect it to? Because yeah. you build it up in your head, it could be this huge letdown. But that's cool that 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 worked out so well in both cases. Yeah. there were a couple of those that you're talking about, but I won't mention them yeah. by name. But yeah. yeah, there there were there were a couple. Um, one particularly who played a dad on a very popular '70s show that I was a big fan of. That turned out so to it was the '70s show or a no, 70s not these show. Oh, a, it, okay. a show in the '70s. Yeah, got it. Okay, he he played a dad on a very well-known show, and let's just say. He was acting to act like a nice father. Because <laughs> the night that I met him, whoo, he was—he used language that they never used on that show. That's for sure. So, anyway, um, uh, let's move on. Our, our topic for the day is just kind of let's talk about principles. Um, why do we want to get into this in the first place? Since this is going to be a podcast where we do talk to other principals and yeah. other people, yeah. uh, but let's just look at being a principal in general. So, Eric, uh, why did why did you decide that this is a career path that you wanted to take? Uh, you know what? I When I entered the field of education, I did not want to be a principal. I never thought about being a principal. I had no interest whatsoever in being a principal. Uh, but, you know, people change. And, and the longer I spent in education, like I mentioned earlier, I, you know, I had 10 years in the classroom. And um, I at that time, at this school, I had a cohort of coworkers who were interested in, in getting into a master's program for school administration. And kind of roped me in even at that moment I was like well you know I, I probably should go back to school and you know it's a great opportunity some great people to, to do, go through this journey with and so we ended up going through the journey and you know I, I have to say that journey was was what changed me and in, into actually like looking into a career administration I recognized the potential for impact um, on a greater scale I, um, I had a, an amazing mentor Craig Gunter who was a principal right. at that time um, he uh, taught me so much in that year to a, two years where we were going for a master's program and doing the work of learning about what life is like for a school administrator. And he was always open to letting me just be part of whatever he was doing, whether it was working on a school plan or, or discipline. And there were other administrators that came through, yourself as one of them, that you know were always willing to just let me you know ask questions or be a part of. And um, the more I learned, the more I, I just, I, it was kind of like, I just got drawn into it. And I, I love people. Um, I love working with kids. I love working with people. And, um, you know, the more I did it, the more I felt like I had something to offer. Like I, I, I I'm like, I think I can do this and I can, you know, support people and support kids. And, um, the, the more I got into it, the more it, it just kind of opportunities opened up for me and doors open. And, I decided to apply for my first assistant principal position, yeah. which I did not get. Um, but it was an amazing experience because, you know, I don't know how it is in other, other districts, but of course here, you know, the, the interview process can be quite grueling. It is, yeah, um, the Administrator Olympics, so to yeah. speak. You know, we'll have to talk about that later on. We'll get, we'll get our personnel department uh, for to sure. talk to some of them about that process. That's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, so, but anyway, that's that's kind of the short of it. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. So. Now that I've been an administrator, I, I haven't looked back. I do miss the classroom. Yeah. You know, you always miss the classroom. I've never met a school administrator that doesn't say, 
I miss being in the classroom. No, we have to find ways to connect with kids right, differently. Exactly. But yeah. Uh, but you know, just working with in, in the role I'm in now, I get to work with families, I get to work with staff, I get to work with students. So it's kind of the best of all the worlds in the way that you get to truly invest in all of those different parts of your stakeholders in your community and your school. So. Yeah, uh, mine's kind of the same. Like you know, like I kind of just alluded to uh, when I was the manager of the of the movie theater, I really enjoyed um, the being able to have an impact on on the employees and on the customers and everything. So kind of leadership uh, has always kind of been something that I focused on. My dad was a manager for the company that he worked in, uh, worked for. Uh, my grandfather uh, was a superintendent uh, of schools um, back east. So it, it just kind of seemed like something. So even when, I, even when I got into teaching, it was always in the back of my mind that I was going to want to be an administrator someday. So yeah, I, I didn't have that. Oh, no, I, don't want to, I kind of knew all along. Yeah. That I, even like early in my teaching career, I was... Uh, you know, taking charge of the sites testing, uh, the state testing, yeah. uh, the gate program, things like that, looking for opportunities to have a, a broader impact on the school. So going into administration um, just kind of seemed like a natural thing to do. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's the ups and downs, but I love it. Kind of for all the reasons that you're saying, uh, you get to connect with the community, connect with kids uh, and, and do all of that stuff. Uh, so what, is there a principle that you remember from your childhood? Uh, as a student that, that had an impact, uh, who stands out in your mind? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's the principal that suspended me, or she was actually <laughs> vice principal at the time. Amazing how that um, works. <laughs> it is amazing how it works because, you know, obviously it didn't, wasn't until I became an administrator that I truly reflected on that experience in a positive way. Um, because up until this day, I, I don't think she was a very nice person, and I think that she was a little short-sighted in her approach. It was my only time I ended up in the principal's office, so it's kind of stuck, seared into my memory. Yeah. Um, but I, I also use that as a way to remind me of what, you know, sometimes we learn what to do and what not to do in the way that you honor kids. And even though kids are having a bad day or the kids that have made some bonehead choices as I have. Um, so, you know, that was definitely, I, I remember her. And again, like I said, I won't say her name, but, uh, you know, I just, that was my only encounter with that person my entire two years at middle school. And it was just such a a scary negative experience that you know it's kind of I've kind of like made it made a vow to myself to make sure that that's not the experience my students get when they're in my office and, yeah you know. and that's that's something that's important to talk about because I know that sometimes when I talk to um, people that aren't in education uh, you know I'll talk to my wife and she'll say she hardly remembers her principles at all true and, yeah. and I'm sure I mean I've been on your school site I've seen you as a principal the kids just flock to you and every kid on your site knows you by sight by name they'll talk to you and, and I think that that's that's the experience I have with the students uh, at the schools that I've been at um, but apparently that you know that's not always the ex the experience and no. that sounds like you know when you were a kid it was the same thing and that it's something that that I know I always keep in mind as I'm sure that you do that we want to make sure that that we connect with our kids because yep. If we do have to discipline them for something, we don't want that to be, certainly, I would want the only experience a kid had with me would be negative. So right. you want to make sure that you give them a lot of other other ways to, to reach out. My uh, principal in elementary school, you know, this was back in the day when they had, they called it paddle permission, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? So this was a time when principals and administrators <laughs> could still paddle kids. And I never got paddled. Um, but there were times when there were teachers that would kind of hang that over kids' heads, right? Like, we will send home the paddle permission. <laughs> and um, it just instilled, like, that's like you said, like my whole elementary career, I just knew that that, uh, that office over there, yeah. that was the bad place. You don't ever want to go there. Right. You don't want to see that person. Avoid them at all costs. If you're walking down the hallway, look the other way. Don't make eye contact. 
And, you know, that's definitely not what I want for my, my students or my community. But that seems like that was more common maybe than I realized. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and even even now we'll be enrolling a new student at our school and, you know, I'll have the parent and the kid come in and I'll talk to them. And, you know, sometimes the parent will say, this is the principal's office. You don't ever want to come right, here. Right. And I have to correct them. It's like, no, 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 no. 95% of the time the kids are coming up here, it's going to be for something good or right. for just to talk or to, to whatever we're doing. It's very rarely going to be for something negative, but there's that perception. But Well, have you ever seen that with, with a parent? You know, a parent comes into your office for whatever reason, and more than one occasion I've heard parents say, oh my gosh, I'm in the principal's office, <laughs> or they will express that level of just unease yeah, or anxiety, even as an adult, yeah. because that's that's a triggering memory from their childhood, yeah. perhaps. It's multiple times I've had parents come in and just, it makes them a little uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it's really important that we that we kind of break that, that stereotype, I guess, is what yeah. it is. Um, not that we can't bring the hammer down when we have to, but Absolutely. you know, but most of the time we need to have our kids up there for something positive. Yep. Uh, so yeah, principal that had a, had a really significant impact on me uh, was my middle school principal. His name was uh, Mr. Van Heis. Uh, I went to a middle school that was uh, named after my grandfather. He was, uh, like I mentioned a minute ago, he was a superintendent of a small town in New Jersey where I grew up. And when he passed away in 1971, uh, actually a few years later, I remember the day because it was leap year day 1976 when they officially renamed Central School uh, to Vonnie Mauger Middle School. Um, so he passed away when I was in kindergarten, uh, but then right before I started sixth grade, coincidentally right before I started middle school, mm -hmm. they had the big ceremony on leap year day. Um, my dad, my aunt, my whole family and I went and there's a picture of me somewhere in a 1970s brown leisure suit <laughs> with a huge collared silk shirt under it. Um, but we had the whole ceremony and then I went there for sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And Great timing. Oh yeah. And every every once in a while, Mr. Van Heis, uh, the principal, would call me to the office just to tell me a story about my grandfather because he knew my gran my granddad had passed when I was real little. Uh, so he told me about how my grandfather was the one that actually hired him as a teacher back in the day, uh, and that how great he was with other people. I mean, to me, he was granddad. I, I mean, right. I saw he was great right. great with everybody. Um, and I do have some memories of him as superintendent, my grandfather as superintendent. He would take me to the high school football games um, and things like that. But Mr. Van Heis had a really, really significant impact on me because he, he went out of his way. And I'm not sure I appreciated it as much then as, sure. as I do looking back because for him to single me out at a school that was probably 800 kids, 700 kids in a well, maybe not that many smaller town. But yeah, to just to take time out of his yeah. day to touch base with me to tell me stories about my grandfather. So I thought, was, thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, all right, I want to segue into our, our fun topic for the day. Um, basically, how principals are depicted on TV and oh, in man. the movies. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess there's the, the ones, but even the one, uh, what's the one about Joe Clark, Lean On Me? Yeah. Uh, where they used to call me Crazy Joe, now they can call me Batman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th that's an inspirational story, but he's not always depicted as the nicest guy. But that no. one's based on truth. Right. It's, it's always the fictional movies where the principal is just kind of this for lack of a better phrase, a blithering buffoon. Yeah. Um, or a tyrant. Of or a tyrant. Yeah. I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind is uh, is Mr. Vernon from The Breakfast Club. Absolutely. Remember him? Yes. Uh, how yes. Do you, uh, so for those of you that might not have watched The Breakfast Club, and if you haven't, shame on you. Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's a perfect 80s movie. But uh, Mr. Vernon was in charge of Saturday, Saturday morning school. detention. Yeah. Uh, which automatically leads you. How did he get stuck with that gig? He yeah. he couldn't have been the principal. He must have been like the vice principal right, that, right. that had that detail delegated to him. So uh, so he got to supervise five students who were there for various reasons. It's a right. great movie about the different segments Very of high school. Very dynamic group of kids. No, yeah, <laughs> spending yeah, yeah, let's put spending it that a Saturday way. locked in a library, oh, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and this was before cell phones, so there was none of that. They just had to sit there and, and make do. Um, but he, uh, Mr. Vernon's job was to check in, and, of course, you know his catchphrase, 
mess with the bull. You get the horns. You get the horns. That's right. That was, that was his no big nonsense, thing. tough as nails. You mentioned dropping the hammer. Oh yeah. Yeah, he epitomized all of those characteristics for sure. Yeah, he he just he didn't want to be there. The kids didn't want to be there, so his job was to make it as miserable on those as he could. Um, another one that pops to mind is um, from Back to the Back to the Future movies, Mr. Strickland. Mm -hmm. I don't think they developed his character enough. Yeah. I mean, he's limited to like you're a slacker, McFly. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I'm not. I don't remember that one as well, man. I've got to go back and revisit the Back to the Future movies and maybe watch it with my kids. But, um, but yeah, you mentioned you know turning into a buffoon. Mr. Vernon certainly at one point in the movie become pretty much they make oh. a fool out of him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but, but they do it in a way that you you kind of want that to happen. Yeah, I mean, he kind of deserves. <laughs> He's what, not he, nice. No, so. he, you know, it's one thing when a nice principal gets messed with, but now Vernon brought it on himself. Yeah. And the line from Back to the Future about Strickland that reminds me because, all right, if you haven't seen Breakfast Club, please tell me out there in podcast land you've seen Back to the Future. Yes. The definitely. line that resonates with me. Um, for obvious reasons, are when Marty goes back in time from 1985 to 1955 and he sees Strickland, who's still the principal there, or yeah. the vice principal there, and he's still bald. The bald, I was going to say yeah. the bald guy. Okay. Yeah. I and, got a visual and, on him. Yeah. yeah. And, and the first line in Marty he says in 1955, he goes, geez, didn't this guy ever have hair? And it's like, all right, yeah, I get it. Doesn't and, he also appear in Top Gun? Yeah, he's Same actor, a, right? He's Stinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in okay. Tom Gun. Got it. Is uh, yeah, I can't I can't say his big line from no, Top Gun. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't believe I got to send you guys to Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, but I, I think the I think the high point or the low point depending on your perspective of uh, high school principals in in movies, it would be Edward Rooney. Yes, definitely. From Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to talk about him a little bit more. Let's do it. You heard him a little bit at the beginning, too. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, Eric, I'm all about school attendance, and I think it's important for the kids to be there every day. Absolutely. But for a high school senior to have missed nine days of school, right. I'm not crawling through a dog door. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just not. I'm not chasing him down. Like you get a dog a sedative, just see, go check on no. the kid, climb the fence. I mean, you know, it doesn't doesn't the Shermer School District or whatever it is, Greater Chicago School District, have a SAR board? Exactly. I, mean, uh, I don't know what what, what are some of the process in place for this. Yeah, right? I mean, maybe I need to watch the movie again. Maybe they do a better job explaining why he's so focused uh, on this one kid. Um, but but Rooney, what happens? He ends up his his pants get ripped. The dog attacks him, mm -hmm. um, battered and bruised. Yeah, and, he ends up he having gets to, on the school bus at, at, the the at the very end. Oh yeah, and the girl puts her backpack on the chair because she so doesn't want to sit, sit next there. to him on the bus. Uh, oh, he's just. I mean, in a way, I kind of feel bad for him because he, he's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing. Right. Let, let's right. put as positive a spin on this as we can. He's trying to do what he sees is the right thing, but. At some point, give the kid the day off. And even his own secretary kind of clashes oh, yeah. with him a little bit in a very yeah. humorous way. They all think Ferris you know? is a righteous dude. He's a righteous dude. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, and Ferris is another thing. Because I don't know how old how old were you when Ferris Bueller came out. I think it came oh, out in 80, 86 or 87. I was about 10. Yeah, so I was actually on, on the other side. I was uh, like 20 or 21. Yeah. And even then... When you watch it then, Ferris is cool. Look oh, at this heck kid. Yeah. He's driving a Ferrari. He's ditching school. He's going to a Cubs game. Um, but then as you get older, Ferris is a jerk. <laughs> he, you know what? It's funny you say that because I watched it here over the summer, I think. 
and I see the way that like he manipulates Cameron, right? Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, he puts that poor kid through the ringer with just with the car and getting him out of bed when he's sick, and and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as a te- it's funny how things change, but as a as a school administrator and as a teacher and as an adult, you look at it totally differently. No, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you it, right now, if my kid took my car for the day and wrecked it, I would be apoplectic, and I drive a like 2015 Ford, not a Ferrari California. Right. right. Uh, I mean, and, and what what's Ferris's line? You know, um, Cameron is like, it is his pride, it is his passion, and then Ferris, it is his, his fault. fault. He, he didn't left. lock the garage. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Grand Theft Auto, I guess, is on the table. But yeah. but anyway, but just just to close up on Rooney, um, I, I think we're in agreement. He he meant well, but. At, at some point, you, you have to lose the battle to win the war. Pick, pick your battles. Yeah, and, yeah. And, if, and if you haven't seen Ferris Bueller, go, go see it. Yeah. Uh, so There was um, one other one I, I put on there, and I'm going to be very short because it's, the, the movie is highly inappropriate, but if you've ever seen The Principal with Jim Belushi... I don't think I've seen that one. It's a good one. I think it was maybe a late 80s, early 90s, um, but just suffice it to say, Jim Belushi on a motorcycle with a, with a holster for his bat... So he can oh, go geez. around and, and, you know, cleaning up the school. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, but, uh, you know, again, just that notion of principles as being these tough, hard-nosed, no-nonsense, iron rules with an iron fist. Um, entertaining movie, but definitely not how I'd want to be viewed in yeah, any way no. as a school principal. Well, never mind that could we even get away with <laughs> that image. You could not get away with virtually anything he did in that yeah, movie. No, um, Purely entertainment value. Yeah, so... All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up our first episode here. That was a lot of fun. That was fun. So we'll, my very first podcast. Yeah. So um, thank you everybody for listening and uh, tune in next time. We'll have a we'll have a guest principal with yeah. us uh, to talk more. All right. Sure. And we're out of here. Bye.